millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. We're going to be sponsored by the Davis Cup by Rakuten between now and the Madrid Finals in November. The finals take place from November the 18th to the 24th, feature 18 nations in the round-robin stages, and you can find out when or where your favourite team plays and buy tickets to see them in action by going to daviscupfinals.com. Now, here at the Tennis Podcast, we've got a special offer just for you. You can buy nationality packs to watch your country's two round-robin matches, and with the Tennis Podcast discount code, you can get 15% off all tickets. Just visit daviscupfinals.com and when you go through the process, you'll be asked for a discount code before final payment and you just have to quote TTP Davis Cup Finals. All one word, TTP Davis Cup Finals and you get 15% off. Now, if that's not enough, the Davis Cup by Rakuten and the ITF have teamed up as well to offer our tennis podcast crowdfunding backers of last year, people who supported our Kickstarter and subscribers to our tennis podcast newsletter, a chance to win an exclusive trip to the finals in November. This is unbelievable. The winner gets flights for two people to Madrid. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, you get flights to Madrid for two people to watch your preferred country in action in the round-robin stages. Hotel accommodation is also included. So, get on that newsletter subscription list. It's free to do so. Scroll down in your podcast show notes right now on your phone, whatever you're listening to. Click on our newsletter subscribe link and put your email address in there. Our newsletter will have all the details on how you can enter into our Davis Cup by Rackets and Finals competition. Get in there. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. Hi, this is Rod James from Bondi Beach in Sydney, Australia. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So thank you to Rod James for introducing this special edition of the Tennis Podcast, a listener questions special, and we have a guest editor for it. It is Victoria, whose wonderful dog, wonderful canine, Catherine's face is lighting up here in front of me uh, at the mere mention of the fact that we're talking about a dog, is called Scousel Mousel. And Scousel Mousel is the title sponsor of our tennis podcast predictions competition for 2019 and he's done a wonderful job and now uh, Victoria and Scassel Mousel have chosen the very best of your listener questions to put to us as we sit here in our favourite New York eatery which has seen a lot of our clientele over the last couple of weeks 
including four beers one night, which I'm still recovering from. And, um, yeah, we're going to answer your questions chosen by Victoria and Scassel Mousel. They've got a few of their own as well. Are you ready, Catherine? Yeah, my, uh, one of my mum's favourite ever dogs to paint, Scassel oh, yeah. Mousel. Yes, yeah. you, she did. She did the most wonderful portrait. Um, and, uh, yes, I concur. It was, it was splendid. Mind you, I think all of your mum's paintings are amazing. No, not into, I, I agree, but she enjoyed Scassel Mousel. Um, as much as any she's she's done, I think. Any Good material to work with. Any particular reason? Um, he's sort of he's got a lot of character and a lot of different shades going on. A lot of he's a characterful dog. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning stuff. This is amazing. I think she likes the challenge. Okay, right. Well, so do we apparently. Yes. Here we are. Yes, here we are. Let's get cracking. Tennis podcast listener question special. First question from Victoria and Scassel Mousel is behaviour on court. There seems to be a rise in abuse to umpires. Is this the case or does it just get more coverage? If it is the case, what do you think is causing it? What could be done to stop it? Do you think it's possible to have a more spirited atmosphere without crossing a line? Um, yeah, I do think it's possible to have a more spirited atmosphere without crossing a line. And yes, my impression also is that abuse of umpires is a little bit on the rise. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, I, do you know one thing I think, I'm, I'm not convinced it is. And that the reason that, that is, I think what's happening now is every court is streamable, virtually. And so... It only takes a few seconds for somebody who's pretty techno-literate to be able to just stream a match, clip it, stick mm. it out on social media, and point. everybody knows about it. So I think there's a bit of smoke and mirrors there in that regard. But then also if players are seeing more incidences of it, then, then it becomes more mainstream, becomes mm. more acceptable, and then that in itself will lead to higher incidents or could could certainly lead to higher, higher incidents. It's certainly the area of, of bad behaviour that um, makes me most uncomfortable. Generally, yeah. we love aggro, don't we? Um, I, I agree but, with this. But, um, but that, I, I, I very rarely see aggro involving personal abuse of umpires that that I can that I'm okay with. No, it's it's the one part that definitely. Yeah, I walk away from. I walk away from a player. Well, actually, I mean, I, almost the contrary. I feel like standing up to the player, but but it's it's what makes me want to turn my back on a player I might like if I if I were seeing personal abuse, and and that's what rankled with me so much about Kyrgios uh, with Fergus Murphy. I, I I love I love so much of what he does, and I, I including some things that other people don't like but I can't handle it I can't handle seeing somebody just it's bullying isn't it abuse somebody to their face like that Um, and obviously heat in the moment etc etc I wish more of them came off court afterwards and said I wish I hadn't done that yeah because you know like with Serena last year in last year's US Open final I understand that they're under pressures that I've never experienced and that can bring out bad things in people I think if there were more fronting up about it that that could go a long way it doesn't excuse it but it certainly helps a lot um, but there doesn't seem to be that much of that mm. um, it's, it's one of the reasons I always liked Andy Roddick because and as much as I like him as a as a person now 
um, knowing him a little bit, I, I did see incidences that, that made me think, oh, that's awful, Andy, that's awful. And the good thing is he would come off and with after a, a period of cooling down, he would also think, that's awful, Andy, and he would say so. Mm. Um, and I, I used to appreciate that. It, it wouldn't actually stop him doing it again necessarily because the red mist would still come down. And I think we've seen that with Medvedev. As much as, um, I mean, he, as much as he sort of has done what he's done over the last couple of weeks and then kind of given his... Um, he, he's toned it down publicly and explained himself away. I still can see him losing it several times in the future because he has a red mist in him and it, it doesn't really matter as we get delivered some baked clams, baked clams for our lunch, when in Rome. how lovely um, one last time <laughs> and some quesadillas Catherine's gone quesadillas <laughs> just two enormous piles of food <laughs> and, oh, I've and got, David's got a salad and I've got a salad because you know that's the way I roll um Although it's not the salad I ordered, I, I actually asked for a shrimp salad, I think. Yes. But anyway, that's all right. That's, that's okay. It looks very nice. It does. Thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't personally think it is on the rise. And, and it, I, I still come back to, I was quite interested talking to the umpires about how they deal with this sort of stuff and, and the way they talk about how they've got pretty thick skin. Um, about it all yeah and I guess they'd have to and look there are there are issues with umpiring that are that are not specific to umpires you know the inconsistent application of certain rules look somewhere in somewhere in there Nick Kyrgios has a point doesn't he about time between serves but that just doesn't justify the behaviour no that's right you know and, and harking on about that point when we'd it would have an awful lot more impact if he said look I didn't I shouldn't have dealt with it in the way I did I shouldn't have taken it out on Fergus Murphy but by the way the point remains yeah um, so I, I get that there are gripes with officiating and application of rules but it's, it's very rarely specific to the umpire isn't it it's, mm. pers- it's very rarely personal it's I mean it feels like it to me there are some players who will say that they believe that there are once in a while you'll get just a clash and can it is there a way that it can't feed into how a match ends up being officiated I don't know about the truth of that um, but but I I agree with you there's there are there are mistakes made and and I think I think it's fair enough for, for players to to have their say it's just there's a way to do it I mean I remember Richard Evans the the longtime BBC broadcaster who knew John McEnroe very well back in the day and he, he would say about McEnroe he, he often had a good point he would pretty much always have a good point and his lawyer-like tendencies would come out on the court his dad was a lawyer and McEnroe would would be arguing his case and because the umpire wouldn't listen to him and wouldn't end up going with his perfectly reasoned point of view in his mind he just couldn't handle it which I can sympathise with (laughs) (laughs) Um, you do surprise me it doesn't necessarily make it okay does it yeah I mean 
It's a very lonely sport, isn't it? I can I can imagine how you can develop a persecution complex out there. Yes, that that's definitely what Curious has got going yeah. on, isn't it? He thinks everybody's out to yeah. get him, specifically him. Yeah, exactly. But you know, therapy is available. So. Um, we've just had a, a brief baked clams interlude. Uh, Catherine's leaving her casadiers for us to get through the next question, which is Commitment. showing great um, willpower. <laughs> um, we've also had Catherine humming along to Bittersweet Symphony, uh, which we've currently got going on in the... Uh, it's a very sort of emotional song for them to be playing the, the day after a two weeks of Grand Slam, isn't it? It's, it is a bit. It's sort of, I don't know. They saw us coming. Okay, what, have, what else have we got from Victoria and Scouse or Mousel? On the men's game, the next gen. Uh, she says, there are, there are a lot of listeners' questions around this topic, which I summarise as, what's wrong with them? <laughs> Go on, Victoria. What's missing? Are they just wusses? Uh, who, if any of them, do you have the most confidence will break through and deliver consistent results at slams which could challenge the incumbents? Very interesting, isn't it? Oh, I mean, Danny Medvedev's in the box seat right now, isn't he? Is he next gen at twenty three? Well, the thing is, we have this problem with it. I have a fundamental problem with the concept of the next gen, in that it's a it's a rolling it's a rolling concept. It's not. It wasn't a. So when was it devised? Two and a half years ago, something like that. Three years ago, maybe. Um, and at the time, who was it? At the time, it was Verev. It, it was Kyrgios. Kyrgios. And it was, well, Medvedev, Medvedev probably would have been in there, but he wasn't one of the ones being... <laughs> no. Chorich. ...talked about much. Yeah, it was these lot. Yeah. And then they graduated and are now in their early 20s, but there's new constant influx. Yeah, you've got your Auger seams. Yes, and... I don't know, Hubert Her catches, and um, I, I mean, yeah, there's there's been so, so many over the years, and I think that's a flaw in the concept. But what do you, what would you do differently? I mean, I'd have had those those bunch being the next generation and done what we did with those and sort of followed their progress um, as they try to, to make it in the game rather than sort of you graduate, off you go out into the big wide world of failure and we'll, we'll turn our attention to some, some others now. I don't know, I just... I mean, should, should they have started something else? For the, for no, the I think it was ones, just or? a single-use concept okay. there and then. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the problems is because they haven't broken through and kicked the yeah. others out, um, the, the <laughs> we, we can't really... It's like, okay, you, you guys haven't done it next yeah um i should say that if i go back 20 years which is quite a long time and so that's 1999 i think i think in the year 2000 or year 2001 when i was in my last period of time at the atp the atp ran a a marketing campaign called new balls please and that was basically the players looking down on the lens of the camera, looking mean and moody. And the players that were in that group were Marit Safin, Gustavo Curtin, uh, Leighton Hewitt, Nicholas Lapenti, uh, basically anybody who wasn't Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi. Because they were absolutely petrified of what happens when Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras retire. 
Andy Roddick ended up joining this group, New Balls Please, when he broke through. And there was real fear. Uh, How long did it exist for? Was it a rolling...? It, it did, yeah, I mean, it did, because it just kept expanding. They, they, they had this group and then it expanded. And I always remember Roger Federer winning a title or getting a few decent results in about the year 2000 and, and everybody was talking about his talent and I remember Marit Safin being asked about new balls please and how, how Roger how, what he thinks of Roger Federer and he goes you know Roger Federer shouldn't be included in this and he, he said, the people said why he said well he hasn't done anything he said I've won the US Open Gustavo Curtin's won the French Open Leighton Hewitt just won the, US, won the US Open this guy's won nothing yeah he's talented but what's he done why is he in the campaign? Um, but I think the point I'm making more is that there's always this sort of cycle. If you go back, it's probably a 20-year generational thing, though, to some degree. Um, we've had, we did have a couple of groups that probably really are quite unmemorable because they didn't win multiple major championships and they didn't really resonate on the wider scale. But if you think of it in 10 to 20 year bursts of Borg, McEnroe, Lendl, Connors, uh, Edberg, Edberg, Becker, Becker. <clears throat> Sampras, Agassi. And then there was, a, there was quite a, a break for a while. Okay, there was some crossover when Federer got going because of his sheer longevity. But the period of, no disrespect to them, but Kafelnikov, Moyer, players like that. Didn't, were, were, were unable to carry tennis on their shoulders in quite that way, certainly on a marketing sense. And I, I think that when I was at the ATP at that time, there was concern whether Safin and Hewitt and Federer and Roddick were going to be able to break through. So they created this campaign. I have to say, I didn't really think the campaign was that successful. The re- and the reason is, you can have all the pretty pictures in the world but if they don't back it up and actually do anything it's what it's what they do ultimately that makes the difference yes you can capitalize on that you need to be able to capitalize on it but i think that that's why medvedev's fun because he's now done something yeah let's get but, to know him but let's face it the original next gen poster boys were Kyrgios and zverev yeah and they've not done anything not i mean zverev they've not done anything that can carry tennis in any meaningful way no. Well, well, they certainly, I mean, look, they haven't done it at the slams, is the bottom line. And neither one of them has been beyond the quarterfinal of the Grand Slam, which is a pretty rough mm-hmm. result uh, at this stage in their careers. So, are they wusses? I think I don't like to talk about people like that personally, but I think, I think what Daniel Medvedev has done for us over the last two weeks, he's made us realize there's a difference between showing promise and skill and actually coming along and just saying I'm here deal with me Sitsipas has done it to a degree at the start of the year and he beat Federer but and he's ended up in sort of social media rehab <laughs> I mean he just needs a holiday and he needs to go away onto a deserted island and leave himself alone um, yeah. and just enjoy his life for a bit but he'll be back he'll be back with a vengeance I think anyway but a lot of them, I think, need to get out of the slipstream of these all-time greats and just front up. I actually think as much as Boris Becker sounded a little bit soundbitey in what he said, 
uh, that they need to show me something. I think he's mm. absolutely right. Sort of waiting for them to go away. That's what it's felt like to me. I, th- I do think there's... T- I do think the respect of those big three borders on reverence. Yeah. And that's a problem. Respect them all you like, but the reverence, I, d- I don't like seeing that from, from the young players. I don't like hearing them say when they find out they're playing one of them in the next round saying oh I, I dreamed of this my it's whole an life it's an o- yeah it's an honour it looks it looks like they're they would happily have a selfie at the net yeah. before the match yeah know? we we you see that you see that on the practice courts some young players asking for selfies when they when they hit with Roger Federer and I and that's ugh. what I love about Andreescu how, how yeah. well she's got the balance of she's perfectly respectful of Serena Williams mm. and Serena loves her mm. she exactly. loves the fact that, Sir, that Bianca Andreescu comes along and says I've got masses of respect for you and now I'm going to try and beat you and I'm not going to apologise for it yeah, she's the template as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Medvedev on the men's side, but I think her even more so. She's you know, what should be being I th- replicated. I think it, it, you see this across the field because when we deal with big stars uh, like McEnroe, and, and certainly my experiences of dealing with people like that, what they don't like is you kissing their backsides. They like it when you just talk to them like normal human beings and stand up to them if they need it. I think that they prefer that. And I think that, that that does you better. And I think that's one of the reasons you do well in your job is because you just give it to people straight. You don't sit there fangirling at these people. Um, and uh, and that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think it's a combination of them not quite being good enough yet, not quite believing. What's going on there? <laughs> enough yet. And a sort of weird resignation about the big three. Should we have our main course <laughs> and get back to the questions in a moment? Sure. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, that was a very nice main course. I enjoyed that. <laughs> right, let's crack on, Catherine, shall we? Um, so, Victoria wants to know, of the current big 3-4 in the men's game, after retirement, who would make the best coach or commentator and why? Uh, well, it depends if it's three or four. I think we've got to go... Should we go with the, should we go with the big three? Okay, because if it's four, then it's Andy Murray clear cut in both yeah probably I mean I don't know what Novak Djokovic would be like in a, in Serbian commentary yeah. not not that there's any issue with his English at all he speaks English as well as you and I do but it would obviously be a different thing um, yeah I think Andy Murray in both mm. yeah I mean the, the one thing with coaching is and this is where I would question maybe someone like Fedra is just because you can do it incredibly well I'm not convinced that means you can teach it I think quite possibly if it, it instinct players might well find it more difficult to coach because I I'd imagine them feeling sort of oh I just sort of do it could, could, I, I, I can't explain how I do it I just sort of could you imagine do it, it. <laughs> could you imagine somebody hitting a, hitting shots in a drill and look Roger Federer is a, a very decent charming and I think quite a sensitive person I don't think he'd ever try and put anybody off or he obviously he wants to help but I could imagine going, him coming on no no you need to do it like this <laughs> <laughs> and the bike going yeah but I can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that would be annoying I think I think Djokovic will have uh, I think he could do both but I think he'll have other things going on Yeah. I think he'll have business interests and potentially political interests he's expressed interest in that back in sober I think Nadal will have zero interest in either maybe a Davis Cup captain yeah I, I don't but, I don't know about that just because he's going to need something to be competitive at I wonder whether you know, and you write about Davis Cup finals or, or etc. That might work as a, you know, he's got he's down he, to play in the Davis Cup finals, isn't he? He's um, absolutely not going to do broadcasting, Nadal. No, I feel no, I agree. Pretty with you. sure about that. Yeah, I don't think that would float his boat at all. I don't, and I think it might for Federer, but I just I don't know what could be big enough that he would bother with. I know that sounds. No, I think Federer is going to be. a businessman you know an ambassador for things a well a co-tournament director of the Labour Cup do you, do you know what I think he might do in broadcasting I think he might have the Roger Federer channel <laughs> or something, something. Yeah, I don't know if you're joking are you joking no I mean you know what, whether, whether it's his just own just with highlights reels of Roger Federer no uh, no but <laughs> like my brother look, would subscribe the world has changed hasn't it whether it's 
his own podcast or his own um, YouTube channel, something like that. Just something that's because remember when he did his training session and he periscoped it, didn't he? And I, I could on, was that on Boxing Day or Christmas yeah. Day or something? I remember the it's whole sure. Whitaker family were gathered around the screen. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure I could see him working for a single. Rights no one's going station. to own Roger Federer. Are imagine, they? imagine if Roger Federer had the rights to Wimbledon. <laughs> but you, I, I could see something like that. I could see, you know, his tentacles reaching him, having an enormous amount of power in yeah. the game and being on boards and yeah, being ambassadors, being am, ambassador for things. No, I, I hope he stays around tennis and wants to make a difference to it, a positive difference to it beyond his playing career that that's I, mm. I, I, I'm always slightly sad when a, when a player just walks away from the sport and whilst I completely understand why they do it particularly for family reasons and I mean like I told Andy Roddick on our show a, a few months ago come back to the sport you know he's got such a lot to offer to it and I completely get why he doesn't do it he's got young kids he doesn't want to travel um, and he's done all that, but he may. But he was leaving the door open. You know, he's quite clearly. Uh, I just hope these people who've got something to offer the sport come back to it. Mm. N- Nadal, I find the most interesting one because he's a very simple guy, isn't he? He just likes to hit tennis balls and fish and live a simple life in Mallorca. But he also is a completely competitive beast and take away the hitting tennis balls and where else is he going to satisfy that side of himself I could see him doing a Carlos Moyer um, and finding somebody prodigious from Spain mm. that he really liked and wanted to help um, well that would be great Yeah, that'd be great, what about Djokovic Djokovic I would love to. I would personally like to listen to Djokovic if he was just blunt and didn't care who he upset with what he said, whether it be in a coaching capacity or whether it be on on air. I'd like to. But do you think he would want to do that? I, I agree. Probably, I'd be well up for that. Probably, but I'm not sure he not. will be interested in that. No, I, I don't. I don't really think he would. I think he. I mean, look, he's obviously a a very sharp. M- curious mind about a lot of things and I think he will end up going into other fields as you say, I think he will Tournament director Maybe, something yeah, like that. Maybe, maybe something like that Tournament but director, of, he, he, he briefly owned an event in Serbia didn't he a tour event in Serbia, or his dad did certainly he was involved yes, in that's one right. something like that Yeah, It's going to be fascinating A um, couple more from Victoria Women's tennis has seen much more success in the breakthrough of the next gen than the men's game and we've witnessed some amazing matches this year. However, what hasn't emerged yet is a rivalry that fans can all get behind. Who of the next or just arrived generation could develop a rivalry as compelling as we've seen in the men's sport for so long? What are the most intriguing matchups in terms of psychology and style that could create a real buzz for women's tennis in the coming years? Great question. Matchups make tennis. Um. Hmm. I mean, I, I can think of loads. Uh, I mean, Andreescu against anybody. Well, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, but I, I think, I mean, yeah, there are so so many, 
so many but uh, I think maybe Victoria's getting it you know one that you can hold up and put on posters and and even non-tennis fans will know about it you know like Federer Nadal like Borg McEnroe like Novato Brevet the most obvious one to my mind would be Andrescu against Coco Goff I think that the issue is that we don't really know what we've got with Coco Goff yet do we I'm backing off from that sort of narrative with Coco Goff a bit um, I'd love to be talking about that sort of thing in three or four years time I mean I'm saying that because not she, there yet. she resonates she's already yes. resonated to, across the boundaries of sport into more general mainstream society and that's that is a good thing for, for the wider sphere of tennis I'm, I'm, I'm concerned as to whether it's a good thing for her um, but yeah if, if, if she did develop uh, at the rate she's going or even close to it and Andrescu I mean the sort of ages they're at would be fascinating um, yeah I think I think the thing is I have, I have my question marks about Osaka in terms of her ability to serial win because I don't know whether I don't know whether that's going to be her really Andrescu I'd be surprised if she didn't just have the appetite to want to serial win every year I think she's a naturally competitive person I think Osaka has competitiveness but she's she's a different kind of character for sure I'm trying to think of of, um, players among whom there's aggro players among whom there could be a rival with a little bit of edge you know a Ooh, Medvedev Sitsipas yeah. type vibe yes please because <laughs> um, there, there's lo- there's loads of rivalries and great matchups tennis wise yeah that's so, a good I mean point. there's just so many but I'm just trying to think of one that you can put up in lights I, st- I still that think that that is possible with Andreescu and other but more yes, with irritating other players specifically who would take an issue with Andrescu's check me out? That's what you need, isn't it? Someone that's like, stop checking yourself out. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Sabalenka? I don't know. She is going through some stuff. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm backing off a bit from Sabalenka at the moment. Um, yep, backing off a bit from reading anything into practice, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, Andrescu and it's Andrescu isn't it I think it's just there's a vacancy the thing is there are going to be other players other young players coming along there there are a lot of young players with with enormous potential we just don't really know whether they're going to become what she's become I mean Anisimova we've seen these great spells of talent and excitement but you know, she hasn't won anything yet. She, I mean, she, I know she's incredibly young. I know that's a bit harsh, but we don't know whether she'll develop it from where she is now at all. Some players, this is their best time. She's got a bit of previous with Kerber. Yeah. Well, Kerber's just a bit old now, though, isn't she, for a kind of compelling rivalry for a number of years. She's not going to be around that Tell long, that to Federer and Adol. <laughs> that's a fair point. Yeah, OK, then. Let's have lots of Kerber. I, do, I am looking forward to the next Kerber. Andrescu matched. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm looking forward to the next Andrescu match. I think I think 
David's hit the nail on the head. It's Andreescu and somebody needs to emerge. There's a number of candidates, but somebody needs to emerge and fill that vacancy. Indeed. Okay, a few listener questions here. I'm afraid I don't have names next to these, so you'll know your question if it's uh, if it's been asked. So you can just sort of punch the air and take all the credit, uh, even if I can't <laughs> even if I can't read your name out. Uh, so, if you could change the results of one Grand Slam match in history, oh. what would it be? Oh my goodness, that's a hard one, isn't it? What a question! Brilliant question. Um. There's a bit of off the top of my head. It'd be 2009 Wimbledon. I'd give it to Andy Roddick. Oh, well said. That's a great one. Yeah. And and well, how old would I've been there? 23 year old Catherine stomping up the stairs. I might be a different person now. Doesn't need it. <laughs> Doesn't need it, math. But um, I think. I felt bad for Leighton Hewitt when he didn't win the Australian Open in 2005, but he kind of seems all right with it. He doesn't seem too bothered. Uh, I would say Tim Henman in 2001 Wimbledon. He'd have lost to Pat Rafter in the final. But, well, the bigger point is that might, that would mean that Goran Ivanovic wouldn't have won, and I would have far more worried he would about. Be in a ditch. I would be worried about the health and well-being of Goran. Tim's fine. Goran yeah. would be in a ditch. <laughs> That's a horrible thought. He pretty much says that himself, though, doesn't yeah, he? He doesn't like to think where he'd be if that hadn't he, happened. He goes, I would go to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Um, Ivan Lendl, I wanted to win Wimbledon desperately back in the said day. Said no one ever, yeah. I did. You were a Lendl and a Sampras fan. Yeah. They did exist, folks. <laughs> Sampras had loads of fans. They were just not that vocal. Yeah. Oh, what a song. What yeah. a great tune. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of a women's result that I would go back and change. A, a couple of the matches I saw, we were talking about Jennifer Capriati last night, and she had an incredible match against Justine Inan at the US Open, got to the semis, and just an amazing match. And I remember f- really feeling for her at that time. Um, but I don't know most results I'm alright with I would I would um, Daniela's six love two love against Anna Ivanovic in the Australian Open semi-final I'd go back and give that uh, who did Anna Ivanovic play in that final 2006 I think that was did she beat Sharapova 2008 no, well, Ivanovic lost in the final, didn't she? Because she only won the French. Oh, yeah, she won the French. That's right. I think she lost to Sharapova. Lost to Sharapova. Yeah. I think, I think Daniela had a good record against Sharapova, so I'd go back and give that to her because I know that still keeps her up at night. Yeah. Well, understandable. I'll, I'll have a think about it as well, and we'll, we'll come back to it in another show. I like, love that question. It's a great question. There's some great ones here. Um, if men played best of three at slams instead of best of five, would the big three be as dominant? No. For if, sure, no. If not, who would have broken through? Well, a lot more of the next gen. Yeah. No, I, d- I, definitely, I definitely think uh, best of five for the men does help the, the established three and they know how to pace themselves 
gives them time. It's the time that you know when we were talking last night about the uh, the final of uh, Medvedev against um, Nadal, and it was two sets to love, and it was all going to be over if it had been best of three. I know people say, well, yeah, it would just bring forward the urgency to do something about it. I take that point, but it's the time. I, I hate the idea of these big finals just being over before somebody's been able to get into them. Yeah, and I I hated that Andreescu Serena wasn't best of five sets. Could yeah. have been such a different match. And I think actually Serena's quest for for twenty four would be so different if she had that time. Imagine how many she'd have won. You can see the panic in her eyes. How many would she have won if it was best of five in the from quarterfinals onwards? She's got about Look, forty. We'll never know, will we? Because the whole complexion of the game at Grand Slams would be would be different. It would change everything. I believe for the better because I do believe in in best of five it's just that was that was actually one of my overriding thoughts watching the men's final between Nadal and Medvedev I thought how crap that Serena and Andreescu and the crowd the night before didn't get this yeah the extra time didn't, didn't get what it could have been I agree um, final question if the top three men were dogs <laughs> oh. Which, oh. which breed would Who's they be this? which breed would they be he's this absolute hero as mascot of the predictions league Scousel Mousel has uh. had a go at this one and thinks Federer would be a Saluki I don't even know what that is oh wow thinks that Djokovic would be a border collie and that Nadal would be a Patterdale terrier I'm going to be thinking about this all week on holiday now, Catherine's trying to get gonna, it right. Catherine's going to get back to you, Victoria, um, I think. Oh, um, I would go for some kind of whippet or greyhound for Djokovic. Yeah. Um, although uh, that works in a sort of physique sense, but not so much... In it, whippets and greyhounds—they have—they—they're not endurance dogs; they're sprinters. Right. Well, he's both, isn't he? He's both, but I'll try and think of an equivalent that has better endurance. Okay. Um, Nadal. I think Nadal would be something just something like a Labrador: simple, good-natured, no side to them, just. Give me a tennis ball to chase, and I'm yours. And I will not stop. Yeah. They <laughs> like the water, Labradors. Okay. Um, Federer. Saluki is a, it's a big call. I don't even know what one is. A Saluki is like, imagine a, a, a greyhound. Imagine one with sort of even daintier features and sort of long silky hair they're oh, very th- delicate balletic dogs I think I, they're Japanese I remembered what it is now I'm not sure I'd go Saluki but I understand Victoria and Scousel what you've done there um, oh I really want I really oh, I really want to get this right Okay, you can have some extra time and we have other shows. We're not going to end the tennis podcast forever here. Maybe a, uh, a border collie. No, no, I take it back. It's all right, Catherine, you don't have to decide on the spot. It's okay. We, we will allow you to come back to it. So, Victoria, 
Scousermouse. Thank you for your guest editing. Thank you for your sponsorship. This is not over, Victoria. No. Thank you for sponsoring the uh, predictions competition. We'll be running another one, although Matt's decided he wants to change the rules next year. Juan Martín del Pocho would be a Newfoundland. That is a perfect incidence of dog owner getting... Dog being reflection of owner. Okay. Caesar, R.I.P. At Tennis Podcast, if you would like to tell us who your... Ah, uh, dogs, players, never seen in the same room, should be. That's what we want to know. So at Tennis Podcast, let us know or email us. Um, go to the Tennis Podcast website and uh, there's a contact form on there. You can send us your suggestions for dogs for players. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be back with more of these in association with the Telegraph Executive produced by TennisBalls.com with our mascot, the lovely Rio with a Y. Catherine's still still pondering. Bianca Andrescu would be a Pomeranian because they're the most check me out dogs I can okay. think of. Which one would I be? <laughs> Don't like the look in your eye. Um, a great day. Right. Um, so we'll be back with more. This shows. is a podcast in itself, isn't it? We'll be back with more non-dog related podcasts. Oh, don't. Don't make promises you can't keep, David. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with an, another conversation between me and Catherine and probably Matt in uh, the weeks to come after Catherine's had a holiday and I've had a bit of a lie down. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, we will be back again soon. Tell your mates about us and uh, get them listening. Thanks for your questions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 